Live from Parts Unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, Simon Miller here from Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The podcast you're about to listen to is going to sound weird. I apologize. For some reason, my Mac decided it wouldn't record the input from my microphone and would do it from the speakers instead. Now, you can still hear it. It's still listenable. It's not really bad because I record it in a very quiet room. But I want to record this quickly to apologize and make sure that the audio quality you're hearing now will return next week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But let's talk Jinder Mahal. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. You're hearing my voice. You like wrestling, so it must be Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. I'm 99% sure it is Wednesday. What a week in pro wrestling we had. It's probably one of the most controversial weeks in wrestling for some time, but that's what we like. Because when things are controversial, it gives us stuff to talk about. As always, I want to thank you for downloading me. I want to thank you for letting me into your life. To talk about pro wrestling for about maybe an hour, maybe a bit less, maybe a bit more. There's no interview today. Last couple of weeks, we had Rockstar Spud from Impact Wrestling. Last week, we had the very awesome Justin Roberts. And his book sold out. In the UK, Justin Roberts' best seat in the house sold out. Amazon sold out in about an hour or something like that. It was crazy. So if you do want that, keep an eye out. It is a very good read. I did read it. And again, it sounds like I'm I'm plugging him out again. But I just enjoyed our chat together. And I thought it was fascinating to read about WWE from the perspective of a ring announcer. I mean, who would ever have thought of that? I'd like a referee to write a book. I'm sure they have, and I just don't know about it. Uh, Before we do get on, obviously, we're going to get hard and deep into backlash today, which happened a few days ago. The few plugs, as always, we'll get them out of the way at the start. Thank you to everyone who did go to iTunes to review the podcast. It helps us so much. I can't even stress how important that is. The more reviews we get and the more five stars we get, iTunes sees that in interaction. It moves us up the charts. I'd love to get as high as we possibly can, grow this thing. Some people say, I don't know how to do it. You can't. You actually have to go into iTunes and search for the podcast. It's not like you can do it through... Um, I mean, you can do it through the app, but it's easy. But just go to iTunes. Search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Click that five-star button. Make sure you leave a review as well because they're two different processes. I really would appreciate it. It would help us no end. If you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, it is the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Again, thank you to everybody who gave money this week because now we've got to those milestones. The Games Podcast is live, the week in gaming. Search for that on your podcast app of choice or just search for my name and it will come up. It's a bit different, not going to lie. The, the, the kind of uh, catchphrase I'm using is real new, stupid reactions. So that should give you some idea what angle I'm going with. But that got to number one of the iTunes charts in, in games, which was overwhelming. So thank you so much for that. But please, uh, please do go check out The Week in Gaming if you haven't already. And then, you know, again, all the support from you guys at patreon.com forward slash Simon316 means the Ask Us Anything podcast is starting as well. And, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. You can ask anything. Amazingly, we've had a lot of uh, questions about child labour. I don't know what that says about the audience, but I'm looking forward to answering them, I guess. And you can do that just by uh, sending an email to askusanythingpodcast at gmail.com or ask us show on Twitter. Then make sure you do the Facebook group. That's where all the uh, Q&A live streams goes down for $5 plus Patreon members. We've got one tomorrow if you listen to this on Wednesday. And again, I'll talk about my pro wrestling journey my, uh, my bodybuilding show, which is in 10 days now, which is terrifying. And anything you want to ask, if you've got a fitness question, a wrestling question, a game question, or you just want to know anything about me, I'll answer anything. Genuinely, nothing would offend me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, a different, that's a different Facebook group. Sorry, I'm getting confused now. But basically, go and join the Facebook group, which you just search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. But if you would like the other one, which is Simon Miller Power Pals, you can access that through the Patreon. Literally got massively confused there. And I'm on Twitter at Simon Miller 316 Let's stop plugging. We've done the plugs. There's all the things. If you only pick one this week, please do your reviews on iTunes. That's that's what I would like the most. I'd like to get this little podcast as big as possible. It's my it's my passion project, and I enjoy sitting down once a week and just. I mean, it's weird. I'm just talking into a microphone, but I like to think that people are listening, and they are. And I appreciate every one of you. Right. No more mucking around. Backlash 2017 went down from Chicago on Sunday. We will talk about NXT as well, but let's start with Backlash. And let's not muck around. Let's not go through the card. Let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton for the SmackDown World title. And can you believe it? Jinder Mahal is WWE champion. Which is amazing. I mean, if I had told you that when he came back and he beat Heath Slater on Raw, 
if I had told you, hey, in about you know eight months or whatever it was, maybe it's over a year now, I can't remember, uh, he's going to be champion, you would have been like, are you absolutely mental? I would have been like, you know what, that's a fair point. He's only won about five matches since he's been back. But here's the thing. Is it good or is it bad? And this is a bit of a cop-out answer, but obviously you can argue it both ways. Let's do bad first, because that's the one I think people can understand the most. We don't need to go into it that much. But yeah, if you're going to make somebody your world champion, you probably want to build them up a bit first. Put them in some feuds, maybe have them win the US or IC titles, let them get some wins, let them get over, as they say, with the fans. As opposed to what WWE did this time was, here's a six-pack challenge, and oh my gosh, can you believe Jinder Mahal has won? And then five weeks later, oh my gosh, can you believe he's now champion? Now, it's nothing against Jinder Mahal. I think Jinder Mahal is, is talented enough. I think Jinder Mahal deserves his opportunity. But I understand the negativity, because some people are like, why are we not building these people up like we should and we could have done. And of course, the reason is there was no plan for this. When Jinder Mahal was brought back to the company, it wasn't because somebody said, hey man, we should build this guy up. He was a body that they needed to fill out the brands. And, uh, you know, this all kind of came together, not randomly, but it was just, you know, that they want to expand into India and they believe having an Indian guy as a champion is going to help them appeal to that market, which makes sense. When the British Bulldog was all over WWE TV when I was a kid. It doesn't matter if he was a good guy or a bad guy. I always felt an affiliation to him because I'm from the UK. And then I was like, wow, this guy made it. He's like an inspiration. Now, so yes, they could have done it better. Here's why I like it, though. Now, I understand it may not necessarily be best for business, quote-unquote, unless it does work with the India thing. But I mean, in terms of week-to-week -week TV and SmackDown ratings and, you know, putting your most important title on someone that not necessarily has... Don't want to say earned it, because he busted it. All wrestlers bust their ass. But, I mean, you know, they pulled the trigger before they kind of gave him a chance to go the route you'd, you'd like them to go down. You know, and, and that way you get to that kind of point where maybe he has had a few wins, he's had a few big feuds, and then someone in the back can go, right, do we feel like he's done enough? Is he over enough with the fans? To the point now where putting the title on him makes sense. With that said, I am a big stickler from a person, I watch wrestling very personally. You know, if it, 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 let's say this killed the wrestling business in five years' time and everyone pointed to this as the catalyst, that would be terrible. But I don't look at wrestling like that because I'm just a fan. I'm not, I don't have to worry about metrics or finances or numbers. I just have to worry about what I want to get out from it week to week. And I do like long-term booking, but, you know, I can only take this on the merits of which it is presented to me. And I just love the fact that Jinder Mahal, a guy that was treated like crap in three-man band, a guy that once lost to El Torito in about 30 seconds at the start of Raw, wherever it was. You know, he went through all this jobber stuff, basically. You know, he was treated like... And I'm sure... Well, if you listen to him on Jericho's podcast, you know, he, he even he said he felt a bit forlorn. But he's still working for the WWE. And I think sometimes, you know, you should always keep striving for things and you should always have dreams and ambitions. But I still think even getting through the door and losing... If someone said to me, Simon, do you want to come on Raw and lose to El Torito in 30 seconds? I'd be like, yeah. What an experience to have. What a thing to say that you did through busting your ass. But I do love that in the crazy world of pro wrestling, we can have someone like Jinder Mahal that was considered nothing more than a nobody become the WWE champion. Because I know this is a stupid way to look at it, but I can't help the way I look at it. Think how he feels. Think how he feels when he woke up the next day, you know, groggy, looks over to the side on the bedside table, there's the WWE championship. I think that's fantastic. And again, that's nothing to do with me. I probably shouldn't watch wrestling in that regard. It's a bit dumb. But it just, it makes me, it makes me happy in a weird way, because, you know, this is a guy that wanted to be a pro wrestler. He started training when he was 16 or 15 or whatever it was, and he busted his ass, and he went through hard times. You know, even he said when he got let go from WWE, he kind of, you know, went into a bit of a slump. And now he's managed to pull himself back, and he's the WWE champion. I just think it's just an inspirational story. Like, it, it, not really doing what, again, I'm not looking at this from a fan's point of view, really, because he's a heel and I should hate him. And I think he does a fine job doing that. But that's not how I watch wrestling anymore, clearly. I'm clearly too entrenched in all this kind of stuff behind the scenes and dirt sheets and all of that. So I do look at it from you know that, that kind of a perspective. And it just, I don't know, I just love it. I think it's inspirational. I think it should give everybody confidence and ambition that you should work hard and have a positive attitude. Because you just never know what the future holds. And in that sense, it's just nuts. It's just weird. I like things that happen in wrestling that provide a talking point. And this is a talking point. And, and you could argue that, why couldn't they have given it to another guy? Well, there's business reasons for that. But they did give it to Jinder Mahal. 
And the fact that I know loads of you listening to this would be like, yeah, I'm pleased about Jinder Mahal as well. And then loads more of you would be like, no, this is the worst thing ever. That's great. That's great. I love talking points in wrestling. I love playing devil's advocate. I love being able to have these conversations and debates and see where, you know, what side of the fence wrestling fans fall on. Because, Jin- I mean, Jinder Mahal, if you've been watching wrestling as long as I have and you remember when Jinder Mahal first came in, or maybe you just saw him from Three Man Band and that's where you know him from. It's fascinating that he could be, you know, among uh, only a select few lists. Like, if you look at them, there hasn't been that many WWE champions. And that Jinder Mahal managed to work his way into that spot, regardless what the reasons surrounding it. I just love it. I just love it. I'm not saying that it's going to light up SmackDown. I'm not saying that ratings aren't going to suffer because of it. I'm not saying it's even good for the product long term. I'm just saying, as I sit here right now, and I think about the man Jinder Mahal, I don't know his real name. I just think, wow, wrestling is a crazy, crazy world. But I'm pleased for the guy. I think that's the main thing. And you're probably right in saying, Simon, that's a stupid way to watch wrestling. And you know what? You're probably 100% correct. But I can't help the way I feel. The match itself was okay. I thought Randy Orton really turned it on. And when Randy Orton turns it on, you remember why he's so good. I loved it when he tossed that Singh brother over the table and obviously threw him way too hard and gave that little cheeky look to the camera like, whoops. He should do more of that. All wrestlers should do more of that. Much like on Raw, which we'll get to later, when Finn Balor screwed up, uh, he screwed up his words and just said, you know, whoops, and give a little wink to camera. Baby faces can get away with that because it endears themselves to you. You know, after both those two little incidences, I did think, you know, I like Randy Orton and uh, Finn Balor a little more than I did because nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, even little ones like that. And seeing them react to it as opposed to just try and plough through their script, be that verbally or physically, was excellent. So, yeah, I thought the match was fine. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, you know, a barn burner or a five-star classic or anything like that. But it did what it had to do. Jinder won by cheating because the Singh brothers were getting involved and that, you know, distracted Randy Orton. So it doesn't really hurt Randy Orton that much. And the question now is what happens going forward? I mean, Jinder didn't do much on SmackDown. just came out and cut a promo. You know, they're building up to uh, the rematch, Randy Orton versus Jinder at Money in the Bank, which could be okay. But yeah, I, I can't sit here and say I didn't enjoy just the hoopla and the mania and the crazy from it, because I did. And if Randy Orton was still champion now, there'd be less to talk about. And again, you know, Brian Alvarez on the Wrestling Observer, which I highly recommend you check out if you haven't before. Very always entertaining to listen to. Makes a great point when he, goes that, when he says, that doesn't have to be Ninda Mahal. You know, you could make Stephanie McMahon champion. That's not a good thing to do but it would still spark debate and conversation because it just would. But we can only take this on its own merits. I do agree with him, though. I do think he makes a good point. However, by the, again, by the way I consume wrestling and what I want to get out from wrestling and how I view wrestling, I kind of like the fact that Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal is WWE champion. So, yeah, I, I, I'm for it. Again, not necessarily going to make for great TV, but just from a sheer talking point angle and, and just the sheer surprise of it all, I, I have no problem with this whatsoever. Good for him. Genuinely good for him. A guy, I'm going over myself. It's true, the guy had a dream and he achieved it. And no one can ever take that away from him. If he bombs, it doesn't matter. You were WWE champion, Jinder Mahal. Good for you. Well done. Well done. So let's zoom through the rest of the card quite quickly. Obviously, it was a bit strange because it started with Nakamura versus Ziggler. And all the posters and the, and, and the pre-show were all about how this is Nakamura's debut. So to have him just come out at the start, I was like, oh, right. I guess you can kind of argue it makes sense because if that's the guy... You know, you built the, you advertise the thing around. People want to see him as soon as possible. I thought the match itself was fine. There was a lot of discussion saying maybe it wasn't worthy of, you know, the, the presence or the skill that Nakamura had, and it kind of presented him as just another WWE guy, and it did to a certain extent. But at the same time, he beat. I think the problem was Ziggler got too much offense in. I mean, Ziggler, as soon as he kind of turned the tables on on Nakamura, just just went to town on him for far too long. I don't think we needed to see that. And that's just the way WWE books matches. You know, the heel gets um, gets the momentum on the face and the face makes their comeback and win. However, he did win. He did beat Dolph Ziggler. He did get a massive reaction from the Chicago crowd. And that does make a difference going forward. You know, there is a bit of a, um, a domino effect. That if somebody gets a certain reaction, that will then bleed into other crowds. I mean, that's why I have Roman Reigns in many ways. So, again, do I think it could have been better? Absolutely. But the right man won. They could have put Ziggler over here. You never know what WWE are going to do. When you look back, all you really need to talk about is that, well, Nakamura won. And, you know, he, he, he still felt like a big deal. Just because of the way he is and his charisma and the way he holds himself, he felt like he felt like a main eventer. And I really do think Nakamura has the potential to be the guy in the company. I don't think it matters that he's Japanese. You don't have to have, you know, the, the world is smaller now than ever. You don't have to have a US guy as your top guy just to do ratings. I think most wrestling fans just want to see people that captivate them and can go. 
And that's Nakamura summed up. So I hope this is his push to superstardom. I'd have the belt on him before WrestleMania, or maybe give it to him at WrestleMania, and then I'd, I'd go to the stars with him. Because it doesn't matter that he can't cut the best promo in the world. He's got that, he's got that magic something. And that magic something, I think, is, is rare these days. And he's somebody you want to see. Like Even at Backlash, he's like, I can't wait for Nakamura. Smackdown last night, can't wait for Nakamura. You know, he, he, he's one of those rare people that has, he's a draw. And he has, he has staying power, even though he's in his late 30s. So this was fine. Could it have been better? Absolutely. It wasn't the greatest match in the world. But we're off to the races with Nakamura. He is in the Money in the Bank ladder match, which we'll get to later. I don't think he's the right fit for the Money in the Bank ladder match. With that said, though, that means he technically loses, and that's not so great, but we'll get to that in a bit. The Usos versus Breezango. I mean, it was a comedy match, which you could argue it shouldn't have been, because the you know, I'm fine with the Fashion File stuff being, being the comedy, because that's hilarious. But there is an argument to be had that when you get in the ring, everybody should be serious. But I was entertained. I laughed a lot. And I was actually disappointed that the Usos won. I love the Usos. I think the Usos are some of the most underrated people in the company. Especially because if you watch them on Total Divas, they're hilarious. Um, but, you know, it was never going to happen. The Usos are clearly building to a few of the New Day and Breezango are being used as, you know, fillers in between. But it was funny. It was entertaining. It was different. Much like a variety show. You know, it allowed me to... Uh, you know, allowed all of us to take a break from just another match. And Tyler Breeze and Fandango are fantastic. They're funny, funny guys, and you could do so much more with them. I mean, what you do with them now, I don't know, given that you dress Tyler Breeze up as an old woman. That's hard to come back from. I don't think he's... He's not going to be Jinder Mahal. He's not ever going to... Well, you never know now, saying that. So maybe they could have taken it more seriously. But I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Usos won. Fine. And it was fine. It was fine. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Corbin. Once again, Corbin just kicked the crap out of him and then Sami Zayn stole the win. Which is interesting because that happened again on SmackDown, which we've all jumped to quickly. Sami Zayn and Corbin had their rematch and Cor uh, Sami Zayn just rolled him up from nowhere and won and once again, Corbin beat the shit out of him. I don't really understand what the point of this is. Now, those two are in the ladder in the bank money, uh, the money in the bank ladder match. And I presume there, Sami Zayn is going to take an absolute beating from Baron Corbin. But Baron Corbin is obviously, once his feud is done, Baron Corbin is obviously going to be the guy that comes out on top because he's been earmarked by WWE as a guy they want to push quite hard. And that's fine. I actually think uh, he's got quite a good look. Promos need work, but he's getting better. And I enjoy seeing him in the ring. I do think he has an upside. But I don't understand what they're doing here with Sami Zayn. All that's going to happen is Sami Zayn's going to come out of this feeling terrible. Even with his two wins, they don't fit. They feel like cheap wins. And cheap wins don't even always work. It's like when Rey Mysterio beat Kevin Nash in WCW, just rolled him up. It didn't hurt Kevin Nash. It didn't make Rey Mysterio feel any more special. It felt like a political move by a big dude, which is what it was. But it didn't have the, you know, neither man got over, as they say. Like a good match, even when you lose, you'll get over. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. Bret Hart may have won, but Austin came out that bigger deal because of the way it was worked and the finish and all of that kind of stuff. Sami Zayn pulling out out-of-nowhere wins or having his ass kicked for, you know, 99% of the match and then, oh, I managed to do it, just makes me think he fluked it. I don't get it. I don't, I guess I kind of do see it because they think Sami Zayn is this small geek that nobody cares about, as opposed to one of the best workers in the WWE who is insanely likable. So, it was fine. I think the problem up to this point, if we're talking about backlashes, it felt like a, a SmackDown show. It was not, apart from, you know, the build for Nakamura and being excited about that. There wasn't anything here which was, oh, wow, this is this is special. And I think a lot of us were just waiting to see what was going to happen in the main event because it was so surreal. I mean, what does Sami Zayn do coming out the back of this? Is he going to go back into a feud with Kevin Owens over the US title? Because that doesn't serve anybody. I mean, they'll have great matches, but it once again negates WWE's own stipulations. And Owens isn't going to lose that. Owens is clearly seen higher up in the pecking order than Sami Zayn. So I don't... Sami Zayn, to me, is like the modern-day Zack Ryder, although he gets more TV time. Somebody that you think they could do more with, but for some reason they just don't. And I can't understand it. I like him a lot. I don't even mind his weird kooky character where he talks all the time. That's fine, as long as when he gets in the ring he kicks ass, which he can do. But they don't seem to want to let him do that. So I don't really know what the point of this was. Because again, it, it hasn't. If you want it, if you are planning to push Corbin to the moon, this hasn't necessarily helped with that. You know, he's, he doesn't feel like a bigger deal at the moment. It just still feels like Baron Corbin. Could he win Man in the Bank? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Women's six-man tag was fine, did everything it had to say on the tin, heels won, which was, I always forget, Natalia, Tamina, and Carmella. To me, you know, I, I just wanted to get back to one-on-one -on -one feud, which they announced on SmackDown and having a match. I hope Charlotte turns heel again soon, because I don't really like her as a face. But it was fine, it existed, it got all the girls on the show. What else can you really, really say about it? Which brings us to the best match of the night, which was Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. I mean, that's not really that big of a surprise. I always kind of thought the finish would be... 
you know, there wasn't going to be a clean winner because you don't want to beat your champion Owens and AJ Styles, amazingly in the WWE, become AJ Styles, so he's a big deal. So they had some stupid finish at the end when AJ got trapped and, and Kevin Owens won and won that way because AJ couldn't get it back in the ring. Uh, it went about 23 minutes and it was just, it was fantastic. Like These are two of the premier workers in the company and they are absolutely fantastic wrestlers. The, but just the match itself with, with the ending, I mean, you, you want to continue the feud so you can't, you can't pimp somebody as the winner here. Like, you know, Kevin Owens can come out and say, beat AJ Styles, retain his title. AJ Styles can say, no, you, you, screwed, you screwed me over, basically. But I don't, what's the long... I mean, those two are going at it because the, the main event picture at the moment, obviously, is taken up by Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal. You'd imagine Styles is heading back that way at some point. So who comes out of this on top? If Styles walks away with the US Championship, what does that do for Kevin Owens? Where does Kevin Owens go? But if somehow this feud peters out and Styles hasn't won the title then what does that mean for him? And I think this is the problem. So it's, it's more than just Jinder Mahal here. Let's say Styles has been earmarked as the next guy to have a main event main event run. How do you get... You can't give him the US title and then put him into the, the world title program. That's really convoluted and stupid. But at the same time, if this is just a holdover program, which is fine because I do like the matches and they're two great wrestlers. But that what... You know, Kevin Owens comes out with the title, but then Styles goes on to be in the main event for the world title. It's just... It's backwards and it makes no sense. And again, I don't care that much because it's pro wrestling. And again, I enjoy it on a, on, a, on a lower level than I probably should. But it would be a lot better if whoever came out of this then went into the main event program. But then whoever is going to come out of this on top is also the US champion. So it's just, it's really confusing. Unless they've got a plan I haven't thought about. But I don't want to moan too much because I get to see AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. And again, it was the best match on Backlash by a mile. And then nothing even came close. It felt like a pay-per-view match. The two have got great chemistry together. In that sense, it was it was awesome. It's just a shame that this doesn't have, you know, contradicting myself from earlier, it's just a shame this doesn't have long-term booking where I can actually get something out of it six months to 12 months down the line. It's a filler program. We're just very lucky it's a filler program with two, you know, some of the best workers in the world, not just WWE, in the world. And then we had the antithesis to that match because we had uh, <laughs> Eric Rowan versus Luke Harper. And I like both those guys, especially Luke Harper. I think Luke Harper is one of the most underused talents in all of WWE. You could do so much more with him. He's got himself in much better shape than he was. But man, it just it didn't feel like anything this. It just felt like they just thrown it on there for the sake of it. I mean, Luke Harper won after he lost last week to Eric Rowan. And yeah, it was just... You, you probably actually think they would have, WWE would have been done better tagging these two up and putting them in the tag division because the tag team division on SmackDown needs new bodies. Where you go with this, I do not know. But it happened. It was on the pay-per-view. I guess it's nice to have guys on the show. I can't imagine it. It just seems like two people they don't know what to do with, but like having them around because they're big dudes, aren't they? 6'5", or whatever they are. So, I mean, what else can I say about it? You know, Luke Harper won. Good for him. Well done. And that, then, there was a, then there was the main event, which we talked about. So yeah, Backlash was... It felt very much like a WWE Network special does, you know, in these days. It doesn't really have a, a major selling point. And kind of just exists because WWE have to run pay-per-views once a month or kind of twice a month with Raw and SmackDown. It, yeah, it was decent. If I was going to give it a, you know, a score overall, probably like two out of five. And I'm not saying it was bad. It just it lacked that big moment. Obviously, the talking point coming out of it was Jinder Mahal, which we've discussed. I'd love to know your thoughts as well. Again, Twitter, Simon316, Facebook group, Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Let me know what you think. Um, and now, obviously, we head over, we head on to uh, Extreme Rules on the Raw brand, and we head into Money in the Bank on SmackDown brand in June. Um, but yeah, over, it wasn't it wasn't the best, was it? And it certainly was nothing compared to NXT Takeover Chicago the night before, which had one of my favorite matches of the year, which is Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. It was great to see you two UK guys tearing it up like that. But the match itself was awesome. If you haven't seen it and you're not really into Takeover, but you have the network, I would strongly recommend. It's about 15 minutes long. Just two guys giving it all in the ring, proving you can do chain wrestling and make it feel like a real match. A real testament to the UK kind of style. Did amazingly and hopefully that's kind of endeared them to a US and world audience now as well. And those two guys, especially how young they are. I think Tyler Bate is 20 and Pete Dunne is 23. All the potential in the world and that was great to see. And everything else was good too. Rude was good. Atami was good. Uh, Roderick Strong was good. The women's match was good. You know, Oscar's still getting that, that mega push. There was something else that I liked on it as well. I can't remember what the hell it was. Oh, of course, Simon. The main event when DIY split up. That was, again, just go and check it out. I do want to give a quick shout out to the fact that I imagine it's Triple H's call. I, I could be wrong. I don't know for sure. 
but you know, having the uh, the uh, the copyright WWE logo come up before Ciampa turned on Gargano was absolutely perfect. That's the kind of wrestling I love. It felt out of nowhere. It felt like, as far as production was concerned, show's over. DIY lost the authors of pain. Onwards we go. And then no, no, you know, this guy, this guy isn't playing to TV time. Obviously, he is, but it wasn't presented like that. You know, this guy is mad, and it's instinctual. It's reactive. Really well done. Absolutely crazy how different NXT is to WWE when they do put on these good shows. I mean, you know, we're always told that the WWE style is the style everybody loves, and yet here the matches seem more alive, the crowd seems more into it, and yet that doesn't, you know, make its way to the main roster, which is very, very strange. But yeah, if you're only going to watch, you know, one of them, go watch NXT Takeover. Definitely the better show. Really good, really entertaining. Some great talent on there. Just, just, just great. Just top. I mean, genuinely, genuinely. Eight, 9 out of 10 stuff we'll go with. What, what a score, 9 out of 10. Before we get into Raw and SmackDown, I want to talk about the Matt, broken Matt Hardy legal stuff because if you haven't, uh, you haven't seen, Impact came out. Well, Impact did an interview with The Law, Live Audio Wrestling, which I also highly recommend you listen to if you like wrestling podcasts. And Ed, whatever his name is, Ed Holm, the, the guy that basically runs Impact, said that WWE aren't interested in the broken gimmick and that Matt Hardy is, is not correct that he owns it. It's Impact, but he's willing to work something out. Obviously, Matt Hardy retaliated and said, no, this isn't true because they get a lot of traction. And now today, Impact has actually released all the information about the communication they had with WWE, something they insinuate is Matt Hardy's contract. And the whole situation is getting nuts. You think it would be a lot more cut and dry than this. My gut, and I am a big Matt Hardy fan, is that Matt Hardy, I would imagine, just even he responded to this, and I would just you know go check him out on, on Twitter and, and search for this if you really want, if you want to read it all. My gut would say that Matt Hardy, I don't, you know, Matt Hardy's not a stupid person. He's a very smart, intellectual guy. I don't think he'd be making this much noise if he didn't think he had a case. And the problem with the stuff that Impact released, I don't think they should release any of this. You know, you, you, should, you should keep all of the, this dirty laundry, as they say, behind closed doors. It doesn't matter that Rebby Sky or whatever is, um, or Matt Hardy's wife, sorry, is, uh, let her say whatever she wants on Twitter. That's fine. This is between Impact and Matt Hardy. But the, I don't think Impact should have released all this stuff anyway. But the excerpt of the contract they did release, you know, you don't know that's Matt Hardy's. It's just an excerpt, an excerpt from a contract. And also, you don't know what Matt Hardy is claiming. So I thought this was a bit silly on Impact's part. I don't think, we, again, we don't need to, to, to publicise all of this. We all know it's going on. Let it play out. And he also, you know, he also made clear, and he, he, said, you know, he revealed the emails too, that, you know, he'd messaged WWE saying, I'm reading all these rumours that you want the broken characters, if it's true. And WWE responded saying, no, it's not true at all. Of course WWE are going to say that. If it's a legality issue, they're not going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going after it. Because that's going to cause more trouble than it's worth. So they're trying to sort it out, obviously, behind closed doors. So to come out and, and do all this, I thought, was unnecessary. I don't know who's right or wrong. But that will be proven by a court of law or however, or however what happens. But if you are interested in that, I go and seek it out. I mean, in my dream world, Matt Hardy gets the rights to this and he can make a deal with WWE or do whatever he wants. Because I really want to see broken Matt Hardy in the WWE. He was the highlight of last year. I think it would be an absolute success, an absolute riot. Again, personally, I don't know for sure because I don't know the details. I don't know anything. I don't really... I think Impact this week have probably made a few a few missteps. I don't think... I don't mind them being asked about it. Obviously, that's happened on the law. But coming out and saying all that stuff, it's made it far messier you know, just leave it up to the courts, man. Leave it up to the lawyers. Let them decide. You can talk about it on social media. That's fine. But going this far and revealing what is essentially private documents and private conversations, I, I never like that. That goes too far. I mean, it's interesting. I read it all. So I'm part of the problem. I'm being a hypocrite there. But, you know, when it comes to this situation, it, it does start getting it does start getting a bit silly. So let's get into Raw and SmackDown quick before another episode comes to a close. I mean, still got a while. But, you know, that's what we're going to do. Raw, I thought, was okay, but it felt very filler. It felt like we've still got a couple of weeks till Extreme Rules. We don't 100% sure what we want to do, and obviously we lost Braun Strowman to the injury. So it kind of just existed. I mean, the focus was around the five men in the Extreme Rules uh, number one contender match. I always get this wrong. It's Kevin Owens. No, wait, not Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens on SmackDown. I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. Small aside, I am going crazy because right now I'm training for a bodybuilding competition in 10 days, and I'm not allowed to eat any food. My brain's gone nuts. That's an aside. We're not going to get into that. Although you can do the Patreon, again, aside. But yeah, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. There we go. We got there in the end. My, talking of Bray Wyatt, the man I've forgotten. I mean, doesn't that just sum it up? He came out to start the, the start Raw with the classic 20-minute promo. 
I'm so done with these Bray Wyatt promos. I mean, he's a great performer and he's great at delivering lines. But again, just nonsense spills out of his mouth. Doesn't lead to anything. Doesn't actually, you know, make any sense. It's just, I really do. I think Bray Wyatt needs a refresh. I don't think the character's gone in the right direction. I think it's, it's, it's convoluted to the point of lunacy at this point. I don't get excited about seeing him. I'm not behind him. I don't care if he's a head, he's a face. I just don't care. He's just another face on the roster. A very talented dude who, again, you can give any kind of verbiage to and he'll deliver it. But when it's empty and has no substance and you lose all your feuds, which he has done, I'd change up everything. I mean, you can keep him as the, as the weird, weird hit guy, but I'd change his music, I'd change his look. He needs something new for me. In terms of what I get out of watching him on TV, don't get anything anymore. It's such a shame to say, because like I say, he is, he is so talented. But that's just the truth. That is the truth. I'm not into Bray Wyatt right now. Didn't care about the promo. Was kind of happy when Roman Reigns finally interrupted me. I was like, good to get on with the show. You know, that led to Kurt Angle booking Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt, which, surprise, surprise, then got interrupted by Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins and all of that. And that built to a tag match at the end of the, end of the night. And it was all fine. It, was, it wasn't like it was bad. But it was just such traditional WWE TV. I was like, I've seen this. I've seen this a thousand times before. So already... I was checking out, and I think a lot of people were too, because if you do go look at the raw rate, I think they did a 2.6, which is crazy low. Especially this time of year. I know they've got the NBA playoffs with people saying are, are an issue, but I mean, people really are tuning out of raw in throws. I kind of see why. After this opening promo, did you really want to hang around three hours for a tag match between those guys? They're all talented dudes, but I just I don't think there's anything there to, to entice you to stay around. And that was kind of what, you know, it felt lacking of proper star power, even though they are stars. And that's kind of what happened throughout the night. Now, Finn Balor was really good. He did a segment with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman put him over big. You know, I really enjoyed that. It made Finn Balor feel like a big deal. Really rehabbed him, no pun intended, after his shoulder injury. He feels like he's going to be a top guy. And he certainly got the work to, to back that up. So that was good. And it was nice seeing Heyman finally. You know, I actually don't mind Brock Lesnar not being on TV each week. I don't mind the Universal title not being on each week. As long as everyone that is there reminds us the Universal title is the most important thing on this show. Even when it's not here, don't worry about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to reference this because we know how important it is. So just throwing that to the wayside I thought was ridiculous. But thankfully, Paul Heyman's back. Hopefully they now realise they have to keep talking about the Universal Championship and it will get better. But that was great. That was definitely the highlight between Balor, Balor and Heyman. Love the Goldust. Goldust did a promo. If you're old like me and you remember Goldust from the mid to late 90s when he used to cut these promos, did an old school promo, sat in a director's chair, kind of, you know, head tilted over his shoulder, just great. I hope the Goldust and the R-Truth feud happens, and I hope Goldust wins, and then I hope Goldust has one last run at the top. I think he's, again, another underrated guy, just especially given that, given his age now, again, he's old. Top, top draw stuff. Really big fan of Goldust. Love that they're pulling the trigger with him again. Really excited to see what happens. And it's like nostalgia for me. I remember Scott Hall, uh, Razor Ramon versus Goldust. I'm so old. So to get all this again in 2017, I think it's going to be great. So that, that, that was awesome. I like the AJ uh, Alexa Bliss um, uh, Bailey stuff with the kendo stick. I thought Mickey James versus Alexa Bliss was fine, but it, it sold it. I don't get why it has to be on a poll. It's starting to get worrying now. Not only are we doing WCW numbers, we're now putting things on polls. Why do we need to see kendo stick on a poll? Why can't it just be a kendo stick match and kendo sticks are around the ring? Why is it on a poll? What does a poll add to any kind of match? Don't know what that's about. But I do. I think Alexa Bliss is great. Great in the ring. Great promo. Getting better each and every week. Uh, you can see her, her establishing a base with the crowd. I think she's got all the potential in the world. And I think her and Charlotte are the two real shining gems of that division. And I think they'll, they'll do great. Hopefully they'll... Because uh... I do think Alexa Bliss has the potential to be a good babyface, even though she's a good heel. Whereas Charlotte, to me, is the quintessential heel. But I am excited to see how those two develop over the next few months. So that was good. Unfortunately, the other end of the spectrum, Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox was... It, I just... I mean... I said this on my What Culture Ups and Downs, which you can watch on What Culture Wrestling on YouTube, where I re review Raw each week if you want to get sort of a quicker, a quicker uh, uh, attack. But no, no one cares about Alicia Fox. That's the truth. I'm not trying to be insulting here, but she hasn't, again, much like the Ginger Mahal argument, it's not like she's been involved in any major feuds. I don't care about her relationship with Noam Dar. Even though this was meant to be the rubber match and Sasha Banks won, the two then attacked her, so apparently the feud's continuing. It's going nowhere. I don't get it. I don't get what I'm going to get to take away from this. Like, when this is on TV, it really feels like a misstep by WWE. It doesn't feel like something I want to see. It doesn't feel exciting. It, it just, again, I mean, I don't mind them doing it in a sense. I, I get it. They want to keep these people prominent until Alexa Bliss and, uh, and um, Bailey are done. What happened there? Brain just stopped. So you want her on TV, and Alicia Fox is there, been there for like 32 years. 
it just feels so weak and it feels so empty and no thought's been put into it. So, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. I'm not a massive fan that I'm doing too negative here. I do enjoy wrestling, but I'll call a spade a spade. The Miz versus Dean Ambrose feels like it's lost its way. Most things we saw at SmackDown a few months ago. The no DQ stip for Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules! Why is there, if you get DQ'd, not no DQ, sorry, if you get DQ'd, you lose the belt stip. Extreme Rules, that's a contradiction in terms. Also, surely Maurice should just smack the Miz in the face at the start of the match, and then Miz wins the title. Dean Ambrose gets, that better happen. If that doesn't happen, if that match goes 15 minutes plus, the WWE have gone nuts. For the Miz's character, I mean, Dean Ambrose wouldn't do it because he's a fighting champion, but the Miz's character, he's a dirty, slimy heel. His wife should get in the ring, punch him in the face, he gets DQ'd. Uh, Dean Ambrose gets DQ'd, Miz with the belt. That's the only thing you can do. And that's good. If they do do that, then fine. That's a really interesting, funny way to get the belt off of Dean Ambrose and onto the Miz. But they won't do that. And I bet they have a 10 minute plus match. It makes absolutely no sense. Or ban Maurice from ringside. Do something. I know wrestling's fake, but just do something to make me believe in this stupid stipulation at a pay per view that's about weapons and kicking the crap out. I just, I don't get it. But if that happens, then I do get it. That's really smart then, because, you know, the Miz pushed for this, got it, and he had a plan. So that's fine. That makes sense. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. I, I was actually, also, no one else has said this this week, but I was actually sad that the Apollo Crews Titus thing didn't. I wanted this to build to, and maybe it still does, and this was just to, to week out an extra week. But I, I want to see Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews team up properly. I don't want this. You know, t Apollo Crews at this point needs something, and I think the best thing you can do for him is have him as a heel. I know he doesn't come across like a heel, but do something with him. Have him team up with Titus proper. Have Titus as his manager, because he's good Titus at that role. He's a good talker. He's got presence to him because he's so big. He can make up for Apollo Cruz's uh, negatives. I want to see those two as a team. But we didn't get that. We got a match between Callisto and uh, Apollo Cruz, which Apollo Cruz lost because Titus had distracted him, and it seemed like those two don't like each other. That that means we're leading to Apollo Cruz versus Titus O'Neil, and nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Who cares? Who cares who wins that match? Whereas if you actually build them as a team, even if it is manager wrestler, I can get into that. That's something a bit different. Then he can feud with people like Callisto. Then it works, there's something there. Also, Callisto's promo before that match was the most scripted thing I've ever heard in my life. I prefer doing lucha things. And Apollo Crews' reactions were so scripted. Just don't do it. If they can't do it, don't do it. I understand you've got to learn on the job, but no, I wasn't a fan of that. I am intrigued to see where Enzo and Big Cass is going. So Enzo got attacked. And then Big Cass went and got some officials and was like, you know, talking to Cat and going, you better find out who did this. The rumour online is it's the revival. That does make more sense. They need to come back soon. You know, I can't remember if it was Dash or Dawson that got injured. But, you know, coming back into a feud with them before you put them in a tag team program makes sense. Build them back up. But I really would like it to be Big Cass. I don't think it is going to be Big Cass because I think they see him as a super baby face down the line because he's seven feet tall and you can't teach that. But I would love that. The Enzo and Cass tag team to me is done. I was never really into that to begin with. I don't really like Enzo, if I'm honest. I don't like the big shtick before a match, the, you know, the New Age Outlaws stuff. Just never did it for me. I'm not saying it was bad because obviously it worked. It was super over. But I really would like it if this turned out that Big Cass attacks Enzo, go on a big heel run, have that feud, and then send Cass off onto other stuff. I'd be into that. I'd be invested. I'd be so intrigued to see how if it worked or if it flopped. or And how Cass is as a heel. His promos aren't too bad, but they're not the best. Maybe if you, you get made out of a bad guy, that's where he would shine. But saying that, if it is the Revival, that's cool too, because the Revival are great. And having them back on TV and then leading up to a program with whoever the tag team champions are, especially the Hardys. I take the Revival versus the Hardys. And then talking about, again, Sheamus fought Matt Hardy. The winner got to choose the stipulation for Extreme Rules. Matt Hardy won, picked a cage match. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. Jeff will jump off the cage. It will be cool. I like the Hardys. Still getting a kick out of seeing them each week. I think Sheamus and Cesaro and Heels are fantastic. That tag team has shot up the ranks and they should be proud of what they've achieved. You know, it was nothing. It didn't set the world on fire. But it's something I was looking forward to seeing. And I enjoyed how it, you know, how it progressed. But given that Jeff and Matt do beat Sheamus and Cesaro on a weekly basis in singles matches, though, you have to imagine this is leading to a Sheamus and Cesaro tag win. But that's okay, because then you can have a rematch at whatever's after Extreme Rules in the Raw brand. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's SummerSlam. Oh, Great Balls of Fire. Have Sheamus and Cesaro win there again. Then make sure the Revival are ready to go. That's a bit weird, because you've got two Hill teams. Whatever. Do what you've got to do. And then it's time to decide what we're doing with Matt and Jeff Hardy. Hopefully by then this, this impact broken stuff will be sorted out and we can pull the trigger there. But it was, you know, it was all right. Which leads us into SmackDown. Now, before we get into the card, the rumour is, is that we're going to have a women's Money in the Bank match this year. No problem with that whatsoever. The problem I do have with it is, if that's the case, don't do a man's one. That's when you start negating what you've got. The importance of the Money in the Bank briefcase is going to be watered down 
loads if two people have one. I mean, I understand that one's a man, I understand that one's a woman, so they're different divisions and they're treated differently. They're very separate on the Raw and SmackDown rosters. But it is the rule of diminishing returns. You know, if, I, if you really want a pie, I always use pies. If you really want a pie and I give you a pie and you eat that pie, you're going to love it. But if I keep giving you pies over and over, eventually you're going to get sick of those pies. The reason the Money in the Bank feels so special, especially now, because Dean Ambrose cashed his in so early last year, so it feels like we haven't had a Money in the Bank winner for ages, is that it's one guy, one girl, and that's a storyline you can look forward to seeing each and every week. If they now introduce two of those storylines, it's too much. It's, it's classic WWE. Less is more. So if you've decided, you know what, we really want to push this women's division and we want to give them money in the bank match, absolutely fine. But don't give it to the men. We know the men's having one because it got announced. Shane McMahon announced it on SmackDown. It's Kevin Owens, who apparently was on Raw earlier, but I remember it was on SmackDown. AJ Styles, Nakamura, Corbin, Zayn, and Ziggler. I think that's right. Six people, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. That would be a great match. That would be so good. But I do not want to tune into SmackDown each and every week and see two people with money in the bank briefcases. It just doesn't work. Or you've got to hide one. If you hide one, then you're not highlighting it in the way it needs to be because it has to be important. If you're going to go with the women one, go with the women one. That's fine. I don't mind that. It would be good. It would help the division so much, really legitimize it. But you don't have to have... It's just too much. I get so mad here. I'm just so sick of it. Like, make these decisions and stick to it as opposed to just giving me everything. Then I've got everything. What am I going to tune in for? You've already given me everything. I am excited about the men's money in the bank. Don't get me wrong. It's a great lineup. Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, and Dolph Ziggler. They're guys that can work their asses off. Now, I don't want Nakamura to lose, but I don't think Nakamura is the guy to give the briefcase to because I think the briefcase guys has to be a big, funny talker. Uh, not funny talker, but you know, someone that can, that can hold long promos because I think you need, to, you, need, you, know, you need to tease it. Also, Nakamura's character, you would assume, isn't the type of person that's going to cash it in from nowhere. Although he probably could get away with it with the right heel. Jinder Mahal or something, for example. But then it means he has to lose. I don't necessarily want to see Shinsuke Nakamura lose either. If I had to choose anyone there to win it, it would be AJ Styles. I think AJ Styles, I mean, he doesn't really need it either, but I think him with the Money in the Bank briefcase would be great. The fans would be behind it. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Kevin Owens would be up there for me as well, but if he's the US champion and you put, you know, you're, you're doubling down on that, I want to see those belts become important again. So I don't want that to be negated because now he's going, it's even a shame that he's in it really. He wasn't in it. Then he just came out and smacked them and went, I'd like to be in it. And then Chamberman went, okay, cool. So that was stupid. But yeah, I mean, the, the problem is he probably can win it because WWE are never really going to pull the trigger on the US title. But yeah, AJ Styles would be my pick. Although I could see Baron Corbin winning it because we had a, hit, a face winner last year with Dean Ambrose. They want to push Baron Corbin to the moon. Actually, you know what? I think they'll give it to Baron Corbin. It allows him to come out. It allows him to be arrogant. adds to his character. gives it more weight. I think he'd be good with it. I actually think that works out quite well. And it doesn't really matter to Nakamura. It doesn't lose technically, does he? Because you, you, it doesn't get pinned or submitted. But it still it, it depends on what feud he goes coming out of it. The best thing about SmackDown is that we saw AJ and Nakamura team together. So if you're a big New Japan fan, that was that was wonderful. It was like AJ Styles and Nakamura versus Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you know, Kevin o, uh, Nakamura and AJ won. It was fine. Also, it was a good match because everyone in there it is awesome. I just loved seeing those two together. It's like a little mini, mini nostalgia trip from 2015 or whatever it was. So that was really good. I'm glad they did that. It just kind of put a smile on my face. We discussed that Sami Zayn beat Baron Corbin again out of nowhere. Again, this this was what makes me think that Baron Corbin is going to win the money in the bank because he's losing all the time to Sami Zayn. So we can absolutely annihilate him at Sami Zayn, get his revenge, and then become the money in the bank holder. Like Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. He lost to Randy Orton because the plan was that he was going to cash in at the end of the night. So all that people remember is the cash in and, and Rollins standing tall. So yeah, I think I think this is if you look at the way Corbin's being booked, I'd imagine this is all leading up to a money in the bank. He's that more contender then, and it'll be the focus of the show, and you can rebuild it from there. No, and it's true, no one will remember that Sami Zayn beat him twice. A, because they won't want us to, and B, because they'll move on to other things. But yeah, it was again, it was just a show that felt empty. They announced that next week we're gonna have a number one contenders match to see who's gonna fight Naomi at Money in the Bank. I think that's right, maybe I've got that wrong. But it felt like filler. And considering it was coming out at the end of, of Backlash, where Jinder Mahal won the title, I mean, his part he had was fine. It was entertaining enough. I don't think he's a complete disaster. But again, where is it leading? Where is it going? And we, we're quite close to... to, to um, I know we're not. not close to Money Bank at all, but I don't know. I thought both shows this week felt like we need to get through a week. What can we do? We don't want to give away spunk our load, as they say, too much. But I enjoyed them enough. 
you know, they gave me something to, to gave me something to watch. They provided me with entertainment. I do sometimes watch them in the background these days when they when they drift off. I just I think both shows need something big. I mean, they need a bigger superstar, but they also need something exciting, something you know, a real kind of core anchor, a foundation to tune into. Because at the moment, you know, again, and they announced a Raw as well. Next week on Raw, I'm going to get this wrong again, but we're getting Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, and we're getting Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt versus um, Samoa Joe. And that, I, I mean, it'll probably get people to tune in, and maybe I'm being way too silly here. But I just think giving that away on Raw, I get, you need numbers, but giving that away on Raw seems like too much. Rollins versus Reigns is a program in itself that you can build to, the two former Shield feuds going at it again. And then a tag team match between Balor, Wyatt, and Samoa Joe, that sounds super exciting. I think I'd rather there was a proper building and proper program to it. I think you could argue there is. There's a fatal five-way match, Extreme Rules, and they're trying to get these guys over. Okay. I don't know. I guess I am going to tune in, but I tune in anyway. I'm that guy. I do want to see Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. I do think that would be a fascinating match. I don't like the fact that, again, we continually get it beaten over our head that Finn Balor is small. I get it, he's not as big as Lesnar, okay, but you've taught me that I don't have to worry about that. But have everyone in the match. I mean, Samoa Joe would be my choice, but I think you can do more with him before you before you go with that. I'd love to see Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. I think you could do a real David Goliath. You're going to do it. So you could do a real David versus Goliath story there. Really push that hard. Brock Lesnar will throw him around. Finn Balor is so talented he could make it work. And he comes over like a star now, Finn Balor. Fans loved him. Heyman endorsed him. So yeah, that, that, that's what that's where I'll go. I'll go there. But obviously, we'll run down that card next week. I think it's two weeks. Extreme uh, Extreme Rules. So we'll, we'll run that down the week, but the week before. So yeah, a kind of uninteresting event in WWE in terms of their shows. Jinder Mahal was the real talking point. We'll see how it goes. Good luck, Jinder. I wish you all the best in the world. No problem that you're WWE champ. The fact that it was a business decision is a bit weird, but. I'm not going to get worried about stuff like that. But yeah, we just need more focused programs and something more exciting. To, again, I guess it does kind of work on Raw because I am excited to tune into Raw next week and see those matches. But I guess deep down, I don't believe I'm going to get anything out of them. It's going to be a schmoz or, you know, I don't think we're going to get definitive winners. It's not going to influence what happens in the main event at Extreme Rules. They're kind of just there because they don't really know what else to do with these five guys. And, to be, you know, credit where credit's due, it's not WWE's fault entirely. Because no one expected Braun Strowman to get injured. This should have been the big push for Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar at, um, at, at, at Great Balls of Fire. So they're doing what they can, but taking that away for a second, you know, having all these guys kind of involved in a big smodge, big smish smodge, it does take away some of the importance it could have had otherwise if it was more focused and more and more going somewhere. But to be honest, it'll probably be this way until we have our Money in the Bank winner. And we're building into SummerSlam. That's usually what happens when these lull periods post-mania. And then when we get into August, July, August time, things kick off again. And Brock Lesnar will be back on TV, which is desperately needed. Again, I don't mind if he goes away for a bit, but we need to see him. We need to set the Universal title. We need to remind everyone how important it is. This is what everyone's fighting over. And then we'll go from there. So, yeah, it was okay. Again, Jinder Mahal was the, was, was the focus. The Matt Hardy stuff is interesting. But we'll see what happens over the next over the next seven days. I'm pleased to say that we're going to have more Patreon people on the podcast. I think next week we've got them booked in. We're going to do a load and have them all have them all lined up. Uh, again, if you are listening to this and you happen to be perusing iTunes, please go give us a five-star rating. Come follow me on Twitter at Simon316. Join the Facebook group at Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Have a look at the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. See if anything interests you. You can get a postcard from me with cool artwork on if you want. There's Miller t-shirts. Oh, I should plug that. We got to the end of the podcast and you're still here. If you go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Simon Miller forward slash shop, you can get one of my t-shirts if you want. It's got Miller written in fonts you'll recognize. There's Miller written in the WW Attitude font. There's Miller written in the Super Mario font. There's Miller written in the Metallica font. There's my personal favorite, the Flexicist, which is the guy from the Exorcist cover, which you can look up now, who's standing in silhouette flexing. Because that's just like the type of guy I am. I'm a pun whiz. So yeah. You can go check out those t-shirts too, should you want. But there's also exclusive ones on the Patreon. But again, if you take anything away from this podcast, it's the fact that I please, 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 please go to I'm like I'm begging now. I'm begging. Like a fool. Like a, like a pauper. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. Five stars. As long as you think it's worthy. Of course. Say some nice words and we'll, and we'll get up those charts and we'll continue to build this into a bigger, as big a community as possible. We do have more pro wrestling interviews lined up. None this week. But keep an eye out. I hope you enjoyed the Rockstar Spud and, and Justin Roberts ones. 
Uh, and yeah, we're going. You know, we'll be back next week where we'll discuss. I think it, you know, let's do it. Let's do it on the podcast. You and me together. We're doing this. Let's. I get a hundred percent when Extreme Rules is, so we can put that right. You can hear my computer tapping away there. Not what you're meant to do on a podcast, but it's just me and Ruben. Who cares? June fourth. Oh gosh, this is the day after my bodybuilding competition. Shit, so it is close. So yeah, next week we'll talk about being uh, a cal- in a calorie deficit <laughs> as we lift weights, and we'll build to. Um... Oh, actually, I'll tell you what I would like to do as that's going on. Do go to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Like the page. It's a closed group. I'm going to put a thread in there, and I want predictions. I'm going to add all these predictions up, and we're going to work out a percentage system to see who people think are going to win. So I think that would be cool before each pay-per-view to then preview it beforehand to see what you guys think. Because it's all about you guys. You know, your feedback's imperative. And if there's anything you like or don't like, let me know at Simon Miller 316. But yeah, I'm going to tally up all the, all, all, all the wins and losses that you think and yeah, we'll see, we'll see how close we can get to predicting it. That way you can join in with the fun, I hope. So yeah, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Look for the official thread. I'll put it up uh, probably not till next week. But yeah, definitely let me know who you think is going to win and we can start that little game too. However, that is the end for this week. Thanks so much for listening to me. I always appreciate it. Check out the Games Podcast, The Week in Gaming. Keep an eye out for the Ask Us Anything Podcast. I'll have all the information up on my Twitter at SimonMiller316. I genuinely enjoy that I get to sit down for around an hour with you every week and just... Get all my thoughts on the pro wrestling world out. If there's anything you'd like me to answer or any wrestling questions you have, you always can. I'll get around to them as and when I can. And obviously I'm doing more of that through my Patreon too. We do Q&As all the time where we get into that as much as possible. But go out there. Have yourself a lovely day. Tell a friend about the podcast. Tell two friends about the podcast. And we'll see what happens. But when all is said and done, no matter when you're listening to this, even if you're listening to this in 2092, Jinder Mahal, WWE Channel.